What's up, guys? I'm Coda. And I'm Niche. And this is Random Contacts. And okay. I'm not allowed to know anybody new. <laughs> Did you guys know that? <laughs> I know way too many people, buddy. This is bullshit. Okay, we're going to go right into the shout-out today. So, I was like, I want to do something nice for someone that I'm mutuals with on TikTok. Someone that I know that they live close to me, you know. But we found each other on a random video. There's no way no anybody knows them. I want to give them a shout-out. Well, I'm not saying nobody knows them where they are, but, like, where I am. I was like, I doubt any of my friends know this person. This bitch, she knows them. So... <laughs> We are going to go ahead and do a shout out to <coughs> Tessa. Hi, bitch. And I did not fucking know you two knew each other, so that... I don't know if up. she remembers me or not, okay? We lived together for a very brief amount of time, and she... Her man is Sam, if if she's still with him. I believe you are. But, um, yeah, when I was dating Austin Scott, and we all lived in a house together downtown somewhere downtown idol falls i can't remember exactly but yep fucking crazy yeah we want to do a shout out for their band though okay it's called end of the aisle you can find i i listen to it on spotify i listen to a lot of things on spotify and like youtube music so if i'm giving you a playlist it's probably on spotify or on youtube music i'm just being yeah. honest with you um my favorite song that i've listened to of theirs is panic button we'll have to add and it to the top notch swisters thing we are we're i was gonna say we're gonna add it to the top notch swisters uh we have a playlist freaking playlist i could not think of the word <laughs> for like five seconds i'm so sorry you guys but i'm gonna read to you their little um what is this like description yep. on their spotify so it says um, End of the Isle are a four-piece American rock band from Southeast Idaho, inspired by the likes of Avenged Sevenfold, The Inflames, Cole, fuck me, why can't I talk today? Corn, and Audio Slave, and they set out to honor their inspirations while finding a sound that's their own, and I think that's badass. So, what did you say that one song was? it's called panic button oh don't click on anything i don't want to get in trouble it's called panic button they've got a couple different songs on there but i like panic button by end of the aisle that's what their picture looks like and i will put their link to their spotify in our descriptions when i'm editing because guess what guys i learned how to fucking edit and i'm gonna take that off coda's plate because this bitch just keeps taking more cookies and putting them on her plate (laughs) okay and she's not allowed to do that anymore. So I'm going to edit and I will put it in there now instead of Coda. And so, yeah, we're switching that up. Shout out to End of the Aisle. You guys are badass. I'm so I love you guys. upset that I don't get to know anybody different. I never get to find new people because either this bitch or my husband knows exactly who they are. What is this? We used to get really stoned and go steal cookies out of the kitchen and play Mortal Kombat in her room when Sam and Austin were off doing whatever the fuck they would go do. I love that for you. And it was so fun. There, I remember so many nights. That I am just not even going to tell you that Coda knows you. Dude, I'm just going to tell you to listen to this. I'm going to tell you to listen to the episode. Oh, Because I don't think God. that they've listened to the podcast at all. Please listen so to it. So I'm going to tell you specifically to listen to this episode. That way you can be like, wow. But small yeah. fucking world. Shout out to you. I love you guys. You guys have always been awesome with music. But um, how's your life going, buddy? 
today was a shit show but it's all right yeah yeah it's okay that's okay i underestimated cocoa powder by like 10 pounds did you know you can only buy cocoa powder in one pound fucking containers <laughs> no i didn't know that fun fact i did not know that why because <coughs> it's stupid because it's stupid my life is a mess, but I got a job. Hell yeah, bitch. I'm at so proud of where you. Where my job is, you guys don't get to know. <laughs> um, you don't get to know. But I got a job, so that's fun. Uh, I specifically told them that I have to have Friday nights off. Every other Friday. It, it's mandatory. I just won't show up to work if they schedule me for a Friday night. That's they, totally they, fair. They said okay. I was like, all right, that's what's up. That's totally so fair. I start work on Tuesday. Hell and yeah. maybe my life won't be such a mess for a minute. Okay? Because my fuck, dude. I need some good to happen. And you know what? Some good happened. And I'm just going to say it. I don't even care. Someone that is stupid enough. <laughs> oh, my God. We're talking about this. Oh, we're talking about it. We, okay. Hold on. <laughs> Alright guys, I had to clarify for her, cause I know I know how it goes. If you're stupid enough to sell your own candy, okay, and you're like gonna run some around all day and piss them off, and like the only reason I went and got their candy is cause it was cheap candy, and I didn't want to spend three hundred dollars on candy, okay? <laughs> I'm just gonna be so real. Like some people are tripping. I know how the game works. I know how the candy game works. I used to make candy. Same. So, like, I was like, all right, so I'll go do this. And I, first of all, if you're going to be stupid, don't be stupid around me. I'll call you out on it. I hurt that person's feelings. And then I get home, and I was supposed to get 28 candies. And I got, like, damn near 50 candies. <laughs> and they never said anything. So I know that was just a fuck up on their end. Dumbass. But I'm going to enjoy my 50 candy. Just like that. And they're never going to text me again because I blocked them. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's how, you know what? My life's slowly been going up since then. There's Life comes in threes. Yes, okay. it does. So three You've bad things, two. three good things. So now we're having two. I get, I get one more good cookie. And then I got to have a couple little shitties. Okay, but life comes in threes. You just got to remember that. Okay. Okay. But yeah, hopefully life goes a little smoother. I hope so. Dude, I'm trying. We're trying. Life's my a mess. Shit, dude, my shit at work's getting a lot easier. But That's I keep good. like over ordering shit. I have so much stuff. <laughs> Amen. I, I get anxiety and I'm like, oh my God, I need to order so much. Yeah. It's a cookie. She the cookie lady. You the cookie lady. I do work with the cookies. But this episode, I just want to preface with a trigger warning. This this is <laughs> fucked <laughs> up. This, this that I am about to talk about is so fucked up that I had to, over two weeks, it yeah. took me two weeks to listen to, like, some news broadcasts Fair. that came yeah. out when it happened i watched a documentary on hulu called the menendez brother trial um eric speaks out and it was that's okay eric and it was filmed in 2017 yep 
So, and it was him telling his side of the story because he didn't feel like he got to tell his side of the fucking story in court. And you know what? When it comes down to it, he, they fucking did it. And you guys will see why. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. Uh, if you haven't, I, I recommend going and watching it because you hear a little bit of their side. And, who, you know, when it comes down to it, I, you'll hear my side. You'll hear, you'll hear throughout this how I stand, where I stand in this. I'm going into this blind. She is going into this blind like I was last week. So we're going to be talking about the Menendez brothers. And you're not completely blind because I'm sure you've seen their faces on TikTok. And I'm going to say this right now. If you romanticize these two who were just young boys when they went through this, you're disgusting. If I see people making like Ugu Gaga, look how cute they are. TikToks, I will absolutely block you because that's so disrespectful. They've asked people to not sexualize them. They have been totally sexualized since like 2015, I'd say. Well, like people have made like videos and people in a way it is helped because people have been like, hey, look at this case. This is bullshit. They're talking about it. And they're talking about it. But these boys, these men, I shouldn't call them boys. They're not men. They're not boys anymore. These guys are in their 50s, 40s. Uh, I want to say they're like in mid 40s at this point. Um, they're men. They don't okay. deserve to be sexualized like this. So if I see that shit, I'll cut it off immediately. Um, but we're talking about the Menendez brothers. And um, it is Lyle Menendez, who was born January 10th, 1968. And I want you guys to keep these dates in mind. 1968. He grew up in the 70s and the 80s and his brother eric menendez who was born november 27th 1970 my dad was born in 1978 <laughs> okay um and they were born to by their parents how do you say that their parents were jose menendez who was born in cuba and i'm gonna go ahead and do a little like backstory on the parents real quick and then we're gonna get him um to their childhoods basically i'm gonna go right into their childhoods and into some of the things that they talked about happening to them and then we'll go over what happened the week before okay. the murder and then we'll go over some stuff that happened in the trial okay for sure so um jose menendez was born in cuba to what some would call back then like a royal family they were well off they were rich um, the grandma of the family was an Olympic swimmer and the grandpa was a fucking soccer player. Like, well, they had good money back yeah. then. Um, they were like a Cuban power couple is basically how it was explained in the Literally, documentary. Yeah. And eventually when Fidel Castro took over okay. in Cuba, um, their family was obviously put into a shitty situation and they were given the choice to stay or leave. Yeah. and flee and get away and so they did and they had to leave one by one on a boat and they had to leave everything behind so jose ended up in america in i want to i want to say that it said somewhere in chicago is where he ended up as like a complete outcast he was a kid he was not white and he could not speak very good English. <laughs> so he got picked on. And so he had a little bit of a hard time after he got to America. But that 
you can feel bad like you you'll hear a lot of pot people who do podcasts say this you can feel bad for the child and not the adult and not the adult because this person turned into a monster in my opinion um and then their mom was mary or a lot of people called her kitty menendez um she (laughs) Uh, I thought that was kind of funny, too. Then I was like, that kind of ruins it. Like, they named Kitty off that 70s show. Yeah. But, anyways, aside from the point, um, she was a popular girl. She was, like, complete opposite of Jose. Uh, She was a popular girl. She worked in a communication department at a local TV broadcasting center. Um, She was, like, the it girl, good-looking for the times. I'll say that right now. I don't think that bitch was good looking. I'll say it. But if for the times, a lot of people thought she was good looking. And, and that was why Jose was like really into her. Fair, and yeah. she was into him because he was all the way into her. You know, this scruffy guy. So they got together. And they eventually got married. And Kitty did not want kids. She believed and she said her whole childhood, children are just a barrier between a man and and their wife. Ooh. She did not like kids. Fair. And she ended up with two boys. Ouch. And, well, Jose was not the best dad. From a very young age, these boys were molested by their father. Um, it, It started with Lyle. And he actually molested his brother in the woods um, with a toothbrush because he was copying the things that his dad was doing to him. Oh my god. And it was when Eric was a little bit older that more stuff started to happen to him as well. Um, Their dad explained it as basically like this is what men do. This is what dads do for their kids to relax them for sports. Um. And he would penetrate them with random objects. He would personally penetrate them. He would make them do oral acts on him. And he would also enjoy, he liked seeing them in pain. He would make Lyle stand on top of Eric and pinch him in the back and hit him in the back. And they were not allowed to show any emotion. If they showed emotion, they would be beat. Because they were considered weak. Yeah. And there was a time when they were younger and their dad had said, you know, like, you're not doing it hard enough. You need to do it harder. And Eric cried out and his dad pushed Lyle off and grabbed him by the scruff of his hair. And, you know, he said, if you're going to cry, you're weak. And if you're weak, you're not strong enough to be on this earth. You're not strong enough to be my child. What the fuck? And that's at a young age. Um, both boys recall their dad being like a fucking terrifying individual and Lyle Lyle knew that his mom knew he says from the time he was about 12 he knew that his mom knew but Eric didn't know that his mom knew what was going on because how it would work is Jose would take the boys into his bathroom and they would shower together um, and he would go into their rooms at night. He never really did it in front right, of her. Right. 
But there were multiple family members who lived, cousins and aunts that lived with them over the years who came to the first court hearing uh, or the first trial. And they said, Kitty would tell us, you're not allowed to go down that hallway. You're not allowed. They would go on a separate floor. You're not allowed to go on that floor. You're not allowed to even listen. You're not, don't go anywhere near them. Do not disturb them. You do not want to know what happens if you do that. And these cousins were just children at the time. Yeah. And one of them said, you know, half the time they we would get sent out to play at the pool for a couple hours and Eric and Lyle were never there. They the were fuck? always upstairs with their dad. Um, Lyle recalled in court times when his dad would put cigarettes out on his legs and his arms and he would push thumbtacks through his arms and... He would do it until these boys did not show any emotions. And he would also tell them that, like, this is normal, but you're not allowed to talk about it. Of course. It's not normal to talk about it with people. So they were scared to really talk about it. And there was a time when Eric went downstairs to their cousin that was staying with them. And, you know, he said, can I sleep down here? And she said, no, why, why don't you want to sleep in your room? And she recalls him specifically saying, I am scared to sleep in my room. My dad comes in there and I don't want him to hurt me. And she was like, well, what do you mean? Why don't, why don't you want Uncle Jose in your room? Like, how does he hurt you? And he says, we touch each other's private parts. And she said she was 13 at the time and she was in complete shock. Yeah. And so she went to Kitty with him and was like, hey, um, Eric and just told me that this is what's going on. Yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck? And Kitty basically was like, no, that's a lie. You need to go to bed. He wouldn't even say something like that. And she took Eric and went and put him back in bed. Um, there was other times where another uh, male cousin, the amount of abuse got that night. Yeah. Um, there was a time when a cousin was staying there and he was a bit older um and he said in the first trial that there was a time he was when he was living there when he he heard like a yell like a like a painful moan yell yeah come from the bathroom and he went to go see what was going on and kitty freaked out started smashing plates and cups and she was like you do not mess around with the things that are going on in my house. So and you're at just the time he guilty. was 15, 16 and he was like, "All right, well then I obviously don't I like I'm not I'm not going to do this because yeah. I don't feel safe." Yeah. A lot of these cousins didn't end up going around anymore because they didn't want to be around these fucking this aunt and uncle. And I don't fucking blame them. I don't yeah. But it it was a re- revolving door of abuse coming from their dad and just they felt isolated they weren't allowed to talk to each other about what was going on with each other they weren't allowed to confide in each other they weren't allowed to have any friends they're like a lot of people said they never had friends over um but they were pushed hard in sports eric played tennis to the point of like there was a coach that was like, Jose, maybe you should let me be the coach because I have seen 
parents be the way that you're being with their children and their children have given up on everything. And he got fired. He got a new coach. Wow. Like, Jose was described by mm, 10 people out of fucking 12 people that he was an asshole. He would fire people on the spot. Um, I forgot to mention, he did, so like, these people are well off. Um, And they're well off because Jose rose from the kid that he was. Yeah. And he became a fucking producer, dude. He worked on Rocky. Oh my god. He like knew Sylvester Savone like Sylvester Savone Savone Slavone. How the fuck do you say Sylvester his name? Sylvester Sylvester Stallone. He knew him. <laughs> so like that th- these people are rich. Okay. I yeah. want you guys to keep that in mind too. I totally forgot to add that in there. Like that motherfucker became a producer, big guy in Hollywood. Yeah. Um but everyone on the outside, like the uncles of these cousins, like a lot of the cousins wouldn't have ever told their parents because their parents wouldn't have believed them. Right. Because you got to keep in mind, this is the 70s. This is this is further than the 70s. You're in like the 80s at this yeah. point. And gay yeah, is not, not a, thing. a thing. They You don't even talk about that back then. No. And to think of boys getting abused wasn't really a thing back then. Well, it wasn't talked about. It, it was, was a thing. It was it wasn't no. It wasn't about. talked about. But they, when these boys, when they, when they were boys, in court, they were told by multiple people that there was no way they could have been abused because they were boys. That is how people were thinking during the time yeah. of the trial. So you have to remember that they are isolated. They're abused. They're not being heard. They're not being heard. They are being taught to be quiet. And they... What they're being told is being proven by the court system. Yeah. Um, but they they never came out as children and, you know, said that this was going on. Um, so th- this is their childhood all the time growing up. And later on, after Lyle turns 18, he moves to the East Coast. Fair. He's gone. Yeah. There is, they don't see him very often, and I don't blame him for doing that. But August 13th, 1989, um, Eric's getting ready to go off to college and okay. start college at a really nice college. Um, he's going to be playing tennis. He's really excited because he, in his mind, he said, I'm getting out of this. Right, yeah. And he's excited because he gets his own dorm while his dad pulls him aside. And he tells him, basically, that he has to stay home. Um, he He's going to have a college dorm, but he's not going to stay in it. Um, he's going to stay home during the week and after school and stuff. He's going to come home. Well, uh, how far away is this college? Um, I'm guessing it wasn't too far, but it was far enough to where Eric felt like he was going to be okay. You wow. know? Yeah. Felt like there like, was some uh, distance. Well, I mean, at that point, any distance. Any is distance is fucking better than yeah. nothing. Any distance is better than being in the same room you've been in your whole fucking life. Yeah. Well, not your whole life. They did They did move around a lot. Um, there was a house when they were younger that they said, um, uh, up in upstate New York, where they said the most abuse happened. Like, it was horrific because there was not a lot of people around. Yeah. During that time. So they did move around. But, like, 
they they lived in the house that the murder took place in for a while. So like being in that same room for so long, you'd want to escape that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they obviously got into a fucking argument because that's been his saving grace. That's all that's all he's wanted is to move out his whole life. Yeah, and that's, that's all he's looking forward to. Yeah, and that's that's crumbling down in front of him. So he goes to his room and he starts packing a bag. And his mom comes in and, you know, she asks him what's wrong. And he said something along the lines of nothing. You won't understand. I'm going to stay at a friend's house for a couple days. And she does the freak out. She does the kitty freak out. And she threw all of the clothes out of his bag all over the floor. And she screamed at him to wait until his dad gets home. And she walked out. And at that point, his dad comes home, comes in. Asks if he has a problem and just grabs him by his fucking hair and pushes his face up against the wall. And smashes his face up against the wall and he tells him, you know, like, holding him by his wrist with one hand and by his face with the other. He's like, what the fuck is your problem? You're not going anywhere. And at that point, Eric said that he just, he was scared and he didn't want to fight back. And he was tired. So he was just like, I'm not going anywhere. I won't go anywhere. I'll put my clothes away. It's done. So he does that, and then we're going to go to August 15th, just a couple days later, uh, Lyle comes home. He's visiting, and Eric is up in his room somewhere right down the hallway, and he hears yelling. So he walks down the hallway, and he starts to hear Lyle and his mom arguing. Um, So he comes around the corner, and he watches Kitty rip lyle's hairpiece off of him and screams at him that he doesn't need this and he needs to be authentic to himself that's when lyle sees eric and he is petrified because nobody at that point except for his mom and dad know that he has a big bowling spot on his head and it was like an insecurity of his yeah he was hiding it from everybody so he was like mortified that his brother just saw that and eric's just kind of like what the fuck just happened um, and Lyle, Lyle said in court that that was very mortifying for him. That was a very embarrassing point for him. And he didn't, he did not think his mom was going to do that. Um, but they ended up going out to like this back patio garden area that they have outside and they're sitting down and they're talking and they finally like start to kind of open up to each other. And Eric tells Lyle, like, I love you. It doesn't matter to me. Um, I, it doesn't matter to me, you know? Like, yeah. you're, I, I don't care. You don't have to lie to me about that. I don't care if you wear a fucking hairpiece. And they sit there and talk for a little bit. And after a while, Eric asks him, like, do you remember when we were younger? Because there was a time when they were younger. Uh, Lyle asked Eric if dad's doing anything to you. And Eric lied at the time right and he asked him you know like do you remember um asking me when we were younger you asked if dad and me were doing anything and lyle said yeah and was like really hesitant and eric just basically told him like it's still happening dad's still doing it to me like dad's still doing this this sexual stuff to me and i don't know what to do and lyle gets like mad but not, like, mad at his dad at this point. He's mad at Eric. He's like, what? why are you doing this disgusting thing? Like, why are you still letting it happen? Um, 
And he's like questioning him, like, why, 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 why are you letting this happen still? And Eric has like a fucking panic attack. He said that he just like sat down and started crying. And Lyle like calmed down and was like, listen to me, this is not going to happen anymore. I am going to put a stop to this. And Eric was like, you know, like, dad's going to be really mad that I talked to you about this. But like, I feel, I feel, he said he, he felt better that he told of his course. brother that it was still going on and that his brother like believed him because he thought if he told someone, nobody was going to believe him. Right. So that was August 15th. Um, August 16th goes on and Eric said that like that day was really just quiet. He didn't hear much that day. And he said that was like awful for him. Because, and I, I can understand that's awful, like, sitting on that and waiting to see what happens. And then August 17th rolls around, and he said this day was even worse. Um, he said he felt the pressure of, like, what was going on because Lyle came back, and he had confronted Jose. And, you know, he said, I know what you've been doing, and it needs to stop. You're done. You're not going to hurt my brother anymore. And Jose being the fucking sick fuck that he is, lit a cigarette, poured himself a drink, turned around and looked at him and said, you need to mind your fucking business. Stay out of it. And Kyle, or not Kyle, Lyle, Kyle, sorry, it says <laughs> Kyle in my fucking notes. I fucking hate that. It's Kyle, Kyle, Lyle. Yeah. So Lyle freaked out. He said he, Lyle says he remembers like, at that point, he was abused, and he didn't live at home, and he felt bad because yeah. he left his brother, and he freaked. He freaked out. He told his dad what he thought. He told his dad, "Like I think you, I think this is disgusting, and this is done. This is not. You're not doing it anymore." And Jose is like, "You know what?" He tells him, "You chose this," and he slams his drink down, and he runs out of the room and slams the door behind him, and he goes up to Eric's room. And he bursts through the door screaming at him that he fucked up. And he's telling him, you know, like, everyone's going to know now what what's going on because of you. And this what is all your fault because you chose to open your mouth and tell Lyle what's going on. And he's like, um, basically belligerent and freaking out on him. And he goes to swing at him. And Eric says at that point he, like, went to fall back on his bed. Yeah. And he went around his dad and ran downstairs into the den, which is where he found his mom. And he said, you know, he could tell she was drunk or something. Maybe she was, like, on something because she was slurring her words. And she he, he knew when she was slurring her words something wasn't all right. Yeah. And... He was, she asked him what's wrong and he's basically just like nothing, you wouldn't get it. And she said, no, I know, I'm not stupid. Do you think I don't know what's been going on? Uh, <laughs> and she was like, I've always known. Oh my God. And she was like, you can't run away from this. You don't get to leave. And at that point, he's fucking pissed because he really believed up until this point. Nobody knew. That nobody knew except for him, his dad, and Lyle. So he finds out his mom knew 
And he fucking flew off the handle and starts screaming at her. He's like, he tells her, like, I fucking hate you. I don't want anything to do with you. You're a fucking piece of shit. And I don't motherfucking blame him. I was going to say completely justified. Yeah. I don't blame him even a little bit. Do we need to stop this one since we have the one video? Yeah. Okay. That fight, obviously. Yeah. And everybody parts ways. And, you know, it goes on to the next day, which is August 18th. And Eric and Lyle decide at this point, you know, like, after what happened yesterday where dad tried to attack me. Yeah. And, you know, he told us all our lives, like, if we are weak and we tell people what's going on and we show weakness, that, like, he'll get rid of us. So they say, they they said that they felt like their lives were in danger and they decided to go get guns. And Eric says he remembers um, going to a big five. Which is like, They're if you're not both old, eighteen at this point, right? Um, yeah. At this point, Eric is eighteen and Lyle is twenty. Okay, I believe that makes sense. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. If you don't know what a big five is, you can just like go to find a different podcast. It's not gonna work. For you. <laughs> Google what a big five is because they got they used to have like a bunch of shit in it, but. Um, he remembers thinking to himself, like, he's got to be able to protect himself, and he doesn't think he would be able to protect himself from his dad without a gun. Fair. And you know what? At 18 years old, I can understand thinking that. Um, so they go to the store, and, you know, the guy came out, like, later after it all happened, and he said he remembers asking them what they needed it for, and they told him that they needed it for protection. So he sold them two shotguns. (laughs) Oh my god! shotguns yep i mean that's fair because that's at that point that's all you can buy because you can buy a long barrel rifle at 18 Uh uh-huh you can't buy a handgun until you're 21 yeah wow so august 19th rolls on and they uh on the show they brought on a guy named bob anderson and yeah bob so i think this guy's kind of crooked i'm not gonna lie I think there was something maybe possibly going on this day. Maybe the boys weren't completely, you know, wrong. Maybe there, maybe there was a reason why they were out on this boat that was to scare them, you know. And the uh, the only reason I say that is because Bob later came out and was like, "I knew that something like this was going to happen. I knew someone was going to end up getting murdered." And when I saw that, um. Jose and Kitty were murdered. I knew it was the boys who did it. He came out and said that. So, on August 18th, Jose um, did something big with his business. He gets a bunch of money. And he decides that he's going to take everybody fishing. And he wants to go shark fishing. And so, he, Bob says that he paid him to... Take him out on the boat, show him how all this shit works, and so they do that. Um, he Bob says that him and the guy working for him did like everything. Nobody else fished the whole day. They reeled out everything. They caught the fish. You know, they drove the around. Fuck? They said nobody really talked to each other the whole time. Um, and they, they said, like, in his eyes, they all acted strange. Uh, but in Eric's eyes, he said he was fucking petrified. Um, one thing that he said stuck out to him 
was when they got to the boat, his mom was upset because there wasn't just the captain on the boat. She was throwing a fit because she thought it was just going to be the captain on the boat, but he had people on the boat to help him. So there was like two or three people. What did you expect? And that literally, I wrote that in my notes because you're on a boat. What the fuck do you literally, you're on a boat. What the fuck do you expect? Literally, like a boat. It's not just. So he says he remembers his mom throwing a fit about there being more than one person on the boat. And he said that. So he was expecting to be fucking tossed over the edge. Yeah. And he said the whole day was just a feeling of dread. Um, Him and Lyle sat at like the front of the boat and they quietly talked. And at this point, Eric said that he thinks Lyle was feeling really guilty. And Lyle said at this point he was feeling really fucking guilty for leaving. And he he thought that the abuse stopped. Because the abuse stopped for him shortly after it started. For okay. Eric. Fair. Because I think Lyle probably fought back. Probably. Um, maybe in different ways. Because and and Wasn't Eric Eric submissive? said his dad yeah, Eric said his dad, you know, would tell him, Why can't you just be quiet like your brother? Why do you have to cry? But Lyle said that he was just so submissive to the point where he would blackout almost when it was happening to it so it probably just wasn't what their dad wanted because he was a sick fuck yep but basically they both realized like you know eric's uh eric and lyle are feeling shitty and lyle is feeling guilty and he basically jesus christ i keep getting scam calls stop i even have my sound off whores shut up there we go it's on vibrate now (laughs) sorry guys (laughs) um but basically, he's trying to, like, tell him, you know, like, it's it's not your fault that yeah. this is happening. Um, and I, that that breaks my heart to think of, like, two, you know, and they're considered adults. But at, at that point, you're still so young. You lost so much of your and adolescence you, at that point. You lost everything. Yeah. Of all of your adolescence. They weren't allowed to be fucking kids. Exactly, yeah. But he was basically like, dude, this wasn't your fault. And that breaks my heart. I can't imagine sitting and having that kind of conversation with, like, my sister. Um, But he just said, like, I never want to let anything like this happen to me again. And I'm worried I'm going to get hurt. Um, And Eric said at this point they were both pretty convinced that their dad was going to find a way to hurt them. Yeah. Some. That's just... That's sad. It's sad. Um, so now we're on August 20th. This this is the day that the murder happens. Eric says that the morning of Sunday the 20th was like the worst day for him out of all of them. Gross. <coughs> Sorry. They decided that Eric should leave the house so that Lyle can try to like talk to their parents and calm the situation down understandable um so eric says that he went to santa monica and went to the beach and sat on the hood of his car for like hours just having panic attacks and feeling anxious like the world was coming down on top of him and that's understandable 
I probably fucking did that a million times when I was younger and I did not have this big of problems. <laughs> I had some big problems, but they weren't quite anything like this. I, I personally think anybody would feel the way that he was feeling that day. And yeah. he says that when he finally got home, it was seven o'clock at night and Lyle was waiting for him and he was upset that Eric was gone that long and he wanted to leave. He wanted to get in the car and leave. Fair. Um, and he said that everything that day went wrong um, and that they needed to leave because their dad wanted them both home tonight. And Eric was like, why, why does he need us both home tonight? And like, with everything going on, why? Yeah. Um, and from Lyle's court testimony, he said that after this conversation, his mom came in and started yelling that they weren't going anywhere. Um, and Eric asked why. And she said, because I said so. And Lyle said that his father came in and told his mom to shut the fuck up. And he got into their faces and he yelled at Eric to go to his room and wait for him. And at that point, Lyle says that he told his dad, you know, you're not going to hurt my brother anymore. And Jose lost it. And Lyle said that he said... I do what I want with my family. He isn't your little brother. He's my son. Which. What? The, yeah. He said he isn't your little brother. He's my son. Get I fucked. do what I want. Yeah. Literally at that point. Swing bada bada swing Yeah. Bitch. No shit. Like, you aren't going to do you're what in you a, want. You're both adults at this point. You're both grown ass men. Fucking swing on that motherfucker. Literally dude. like. Like I. I feel bad for the children. I really do. I really, I really do. But at this point, bro, fight. And fight. They do. They do. But, and I may not agree with the way that they went about it, but I can't say that if I was in their situation, I wouldn't have went about it any different way. Fair. Fair. Um, so, basically, um, Eric says that his dad freaked the fuck out and um he turned and he looked at kitty and he said you need to go in the den right now and he turned and looked at the boys and he said when i get out from watching my movie you two better be fucking ready because i'm done and he went in the den and he closed the door and they heard the movie go on and at that point both boys went upstairs and lyle said that or eric says that lyle told him you know like it's time they're gonna kill us um and i i truth i i do believe that they both thought that their dad was a powerful enough man to kill them oh yeah i do i i believe that they believe that and in the 80s early 90s a person of hollywood a thousand percent yeah and eric said that there was a time when he tried to run away and his dad came and got him and told him, like, if you run away, you'll never see anybody ever again. So, like, I understand why he didn't run away. Okay, okay. And so, like, at this point, they're like, they're going to fucking kill us. Yeah. And Eric says that he remembers running into his room, getting a gun, and, like, thinking the whole time, like, if I don't get to the doors before my mom and dad get to the doors, I'm dead. then I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's what he said. That was what he thought the whole time. They both said that they burst through the doors 
Um, Lyle says he remembers seeing a shadow to his right and Eric to his left, and they both just started shooting. Damn. Multiple rounds. They said they could hear things breaking all around them. Eric said that at one point he collapsed in, like, the foyer door. And he dropped his gun and started having a panic attack, but he could still hear shooting going on. Wow. Um, he, uh, and then at one point it stops and then he hears one more shot. And that's when Lyle said in court that he shot his mother, Kitty. He went up to her and he shot her dead to make sure she was dead. I don't blame him. Uh, you know what? I would have been one mother mad motherfucker too. Yeah. And after this, they said that they sat together on the stairs and cried for a while. And then they they knew the cops were coming. They knew that that was it for them. And so they sat and waited for what they said felt like forever. And no one came. Wow. So I want you to imagine yourself being in their shoes and no one came. Would you call the cops or would you, in the mind frame that you're in, try to figure out a way to not get in trouble? 80% of people would try to find a way to not get in trouble. I'm sorry. Or leave. So they went upstairs, they took a shower, um, and they talked about what they were going to do. Um, both of them said that they were in shock at this point, which I totally believe. I told, I would be in shock. Fuck. I was in shock watching the documentary and like, what just, oh my God. So they both decided together that they wanted to make an alibi. Um, this wasn't the right choice. I'll say it. This was not exactly the right choice or the right way to go about it, but it's what happened. It's what happened. And they went into the room, picked up as many bullet shells as they could. They said that they didn't know if they got them all, but they picked up as many as they could find. And after that, they threw them out into a, they didn't throw them out. They threw them into a bag, um, got their stuff, got into their car and they went to the movies and they bought a movie ticket to a show. And then they realized that that wasn't going to be a good alibi because the move, like the movie didn't start until 1030 at night. <laughs> so at this point they went to go get rid of the guns and they said they went to Melbourne, which is like two and a half hours, three hours away from where they were. And they don't have a shovel. So they just hid the guns and stuff under a bush and like pushed some dirt over them. Obviously, they're not thinking clearly. Yeah, no, they should have thought about clearly, this plan They would have thought about this. And if they thought about killing their parents, like what you just said right there, I want you to remember that. Because if they thought about killing their parents beforehand, don't you think they would have had a fucking alibi already? Keep it in mind. I just mm. pause it. Okay. Pause it and keep it in mind for later. Okay? Um, they would, uh, in my opinion, they would have at least known where they were going to hide the guns or been prepared. Yeah. But pause that. So at that point, um, oh my God, my phone keeps wigging out. So um, at that point they were like, okay, we don't know what else to do. So they go home and no one was fucking there still. I want to know how in a fucking high profile neighborhood 
and California with that many shots, the shotguns that they had, the doc, the court, the people, the cops and stuff said that um, they held, uh, I think they said nine, sh- nine shells each, nine, nine bullets okay. each. So like that's, that's 18, 18 potential shots. They, they fired off every round. So, okay, hear me out, because fucking California, if you think about it, one, it's August. That's just after July. There could still be fireworks. People are ignoring loud bangs. True. Okay, I can see that. Also, California, how often do you hear fucking gunshots? Okay, I can see that, but in in the high-profile neighborhood that they were in, though? Period. I can see your point. You know what I mean? I didn't really think like, about that. in California, you just kind of ignore gunshots. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. But... That'd be... That's my thought process on it there. Yeah. So, they go home, and they, they said that it was just silence. Eric said that it was the worst silence that... Ooh, I bet. ...he had ever heard. And he said, you know, at that point, he couldn't help himself, and he wanted to see what he did. Yeah, because, I mean, you. I'm sure you blacked out. Um, And so he went into the room, and he has, like, a mental breakdown. And he yep. said that he remembers thinking to himself, like, that should be me. I should be the one that's dead. Um, I fucked up. He said he remembered just sitting there and panicking, saying, like, I fucked up. I didn't do this right. No, um, sir, you, proje- you protected yourself. You, the, and that's what I'm, th- I'm thinking. But at that point, like... I understand. I can see it from his point of view. Because yeah. when you're 18, at this point, Eric's still 18. Yeah. He's a kid, dude. Yeah. You're a teenager still. Like. I understand that. But um, Lyle pulled him out of the room and was like, dude, don't be in there right now. But Eric went back in. And at this point, Lyle called the cops. And if you listen to the call, a lot of people said that it sounds dramatized, like, like fake. Dramatic. Yeah. But in my opinion, dude, it sounds like two boys that were fucking in shock. Fair. Um, and basically, they are, like, fucking schnotting everywhere. And Lyle's like, I, uh, I just got home. My parents are dead. Someone shot my parents. My parents are dead. Okay. And so the cops show up. And the cops said when they got there, the boys were inconsolable. Understandable. So, they didn't have suspects for about six months. Damn. And in the time that they were, you know, like, they cleaned everything up and, you know, everything was going on, the boys were given um, Jose's credit card. And I can't say that if I was given a credit card with the amount of money that that one had on it, that I wouldn't spend it. Ooh, I would have spent it. Eric spent around $31,000. Or no, Lyle spent around $31,000. Eric spent like $18,000. He said, swipe, 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 swipe. Thanks, But Lyle was like, he bought a car. He bought suits. He bought shoes, dude. And... I can't um, say I wouldn't do the same thing. I literally can't say I wouldn't do the... Literally, I would do the same thing. But, um, dude, I don't know if we're... I'm gonna... I don't think I'm gonna get it all. No? In one episode. Okay. Okay. Sorry, guys. 
this dude it's just a lot i spent weeks looking into this um there's probably gonna be another like 30 minutes but so they go on a fucking shopping spree and eric at this point is like i i i should not be alive i want to die and he's really he's really having a hard time and this is when he chooses to go and start seeing a doctor a psychiatrist that's good in my notes i wrote down dr ozeal fucker of the month oh because this bastard is a user and i'm gonna say it right now so he goes and he talks to dr ozeal and he tells him everything that happened he just fesses up and dr ozeal is like oh well you need to bring your brother in here and so they bring lyle in and lyle's like eric what the fuck did you do like yeah. you you just fucked up you know he can call the cops on us now and dr ozeal's like no 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 i'm i won't well, call I the mean, cops pa- there's patient confidentiality so it, it he said i won't call the cops if you guys want to go into business with me whoa and at this point lyle's like fuck you we're leaving yeah and they leave but eric continues seeing him and talking to him this twisted motherfucker was not only doing this and fucking dude playing on this kid that is going through this he never called the cops no no he was though having an affair with one of his patients and he was telling her about what was going on. Oh my god. And he was having her sit outside the fucking door and listen. <gasps> Total breach of doctor patient confidentiality, yeah. dude. He was having her sit outside the door and listen to all of their sessions. Later on down the road, she asks him to leave his wife. He says no. She gets mad, calls the cops on him. Yeah. Tells the cops everything. Bing, bing, boom. So at this point, um, Lyle gets arrested. Uh, I believe he was out shopping. Oh my god! And I love. They're Lyle. like, "Where's Eric?" And Eric is in another fucking country at a tennis tournament, dude. A completely other country. I believe he was in Berlin, dude, with his tennis coach. He could have fled. He could have left and no one would have ever found him again. Yeah. And that would have been it. Yeah. He would have never gotten in trouble. He decided to get on a plane and go home. Wow. He said he wasn't going to let his brother take the fall for all that by himself. Fair. So he goes home and he's immediately met with his aunt and uncle because his aunt and uncle were approached by the fucking FBI. And yeah. the FBI were like, where is he? And they were like, do not fucking arrest him over there. We will get him home. Yeah, let him so come home. So they meet him at the fucking um, sheriff's department. And his cousin, Andy, who he was really fucking close with his whole life, um, they talked for like three and a half hours before he got arrested. And he told him everything. Um, and his cousin was like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I knew something was wrong, but I never said anything. And he actually ended up dying about six months later. So, now they're in jail. They were not in jail for, like, six months, eight months before trial. They were in jail for years. 
before they got to go to trial. God. Years. I think it was four years before they got to go to trial. And that, that is fucked up. Can you imagine sitting in jail for that? No. Not for that amount of time. Not for that amount of time. Being out and thinking you were okay. They eventually get to go to court. And their judge is Judge Stanley Weisenberg. I don't know if you guys know that name. I don't know if you know that name. Um, He was the judge for the case of the beating of Rodney King. Oh, fuck. He is the motherfucker that let all those cops go and started all those fucking riots in the 80s. So he's the same twisted motherfucker that let those cops off for beating that man to death. Yeah. Yep. I just want to put that out there for you guys to know that this judge is already fucked and then in some shit that people already didn't agree with. Okay. So there's the judge. And then we have Pamela Bosnich and she is the prosecuting attorney. And she is known as a bit of a cutthroat, you know, she's proper, but she, she believed deep down inside that these boys were lying and they wanted money. What? She did not believe that they were ever sexually abused. She did not believe that. Um, Almost made that, a fucked up reference. No, dude. Like literally the. She said herself, like, I never believed, I don't believe that that that's why they did this. They did this because they were selfish boys and they wanted insurance money. And that was basically her whole case. From her job standpoint, I I see it. Yeah, no, like, obviously she's not going to fucking be like, you know, but she never believed them. Um, And then we got Jill Lansing, and this is Lyle's attorney. And she was known as a very soft woman. Um, she came off as like, she would protect him, but she was very soft. And then we got the bad bitch herself, Leslie, Leslie Abramson. This bitch led this first fucking trial, dude. Like she was, she was, they make lawyers watch videos of this woman. That's amazing. Doing this case. They make people study the way this woman handled her clients and shit. Hell yeah. That's how much of a bad boss bitch lawyer this girl was. People still study her to this day. That's awesome. She refuses to speak to anybody about this case. I don't believe her. She will not talk to anybody about it. She um, has written a couple books and stuff, but she's not about this. She refuses to talk about this case and she respects the fuck out of these, out of these men. And I respect her for that. I really do. So, basically, um, they go into court. They bring Dr. Ozeal into court. And he's like, these boys were going to kill me. If I told on them, they were going to kill me. So, that's why I didn't ever say anything. And... fuck dude leslie hammered this motherfucker she was like why were you having your girlfriend that by the way you were having an affair with yeah why were you having her listen 
why do you think it was appropriate for you to talk about one client with another? Did she went in on him and she went on him on him so hard that in 2017, and dude, he is not a lawyer. He does a sex camp now. This motherfucker, she wiped the fucking walls with him. He, or I didn't mean to say lawyer. He is not a doctor anymore. He is not a fucking psychiatrist anymore. Did she wipe the walls with them so hard that he never got to go back into that first bathroom? Um, and in Damn. court, they brought up everything. Good. They talked about everything. Um, let's cut to the next one real quick. We'll be right back, guys, on the next episode. We'll see. We're back, and I did not expect this to go a little bit over, so I apologize. Um, we possibly may be able to cut it all into one episode instead of doing two separate. I'll have to have to you'll we'll, have we'll to have show to me how yeah, to do that. We'll, we'll we'll fuck around. We'll see what's happening. Editing might be a little janky this episode. I apologize. Um, but basically, the first trial, dude, they they both said that it was really traumatizing to have to talk about all this stuff. In front of a bunch of people, I'm sure. Dude, the prosecuting attorneys were so fucked. And even the ones that came on the show, they had no fucking sympathy for these these men that went through this. And they all said that that they were using the abuse excuse. That that wasn't a justifiable a reason to kill their parents. What? And so okay. Everything goes on. They tell the jury everything. Yeah. Um what I said in the first episode and more. And or you know what I said in the beginning of the episode and more. We'll have to see what happens. My bad. Brain's not working right now. Um but they tell them everything and the jury dude, the jury gets hung they oh, don't yeah, come sure. up with a fucking verdict. I'm so sure. they are basically off at this point. Kind of. Kind of. So they're able to still talk and, you know, be around still each in jail. other. They're, they are still in jail. Um, and that's when a retrial yep. um, gets brought up. And that is when a new prosecuting attorney came in his name is david khan khan is the perfect last name for this motherfucker because before they even went to the second trial he had his dirty little hands inside two movies made about these boys what yeah movies that portrayed them as monsters oh i'm sure complete monsters that faked everything and they did it for money So he already had his grubby little fingers mixed in with that situation. And now he's the prosecuting attorney. And they get the same judge. And at this point, the judge is mad because there's there's people that are telling him, you know, like, you've lost too many cases. You're not a good enough judge. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, any at that point, they're going to be mad. And the prosecution said that they needed a win. They said multiple times, hey, we need a win. So they go into the next trial. And um, new jury. Yep. All of that. And they have to live through everything. 
again, all over again. But the judge said, you do not get to use the abuse excuse. You don't get to talk about any of that. You don't get to bring in any of your witnesses to talk about what they witnessed when you were a child, because that has nothing to do with now. That was too long ago. They didn't get to talk about any of that. So you're focusing on just the one night then? They're focusing on like the week of. What? Yeah. So they uh, Leslie is trying to make a fucking yeah. case yeah. out of this. And they're going for four fucking months. Damn. And her and um, the boy's a psychiatrist. He, they have a new psychiatrist. And his name is Dr. William Vickery. And he worked with these boys. When they were still boys. He worked with these men while they, when they were still boys. And he said, without a doubt, they were abused. There is no doubt in my mind that these are abused men who went through something so traumatic. And they were in so much fear for their own lives and their own safety. That that's why they decided to do what they did. That's hearsay. <laughs> <laughs> but... Basically, he he was like the one of the people in the first trial that helped so much because he he went on stand and was like, I've been talking to Eric and Lyle and this is what I have fucking gotten them to talk to me about. Yeah. And him and Leslie get together and this is where I think everything went downhill they got together to look over notes and leslie saw that dr williams had put in there that eric said that he wanted to kill himself and then he had also put in there that lyle said that he couldn't do this anymore suicidal and so she tells him like you you need to take this out because this shows pre- this shows premeditation and he tells her no it doesn't you can explain why they feel this way yeah i explain how i i i not explain i understand how both sides felt yeah i can see how she was like no this can't fucking be in there but i can also see how he was like no this is my observation right she tripped dude like at this point Leslie has put so much into this and she any little she kid. admitted she admitted that she cared too much about this case and she cared a lot about these boys and she wanted them to be okay. And she told him you either take those out of your notes or you're off the whole fucking case. Damn. And so he changed his notes. Well, he didn't get the new set of notes to his secretary in time. So the prosecuting attorneys get notes that have stuff that his notes don't. And they find out four months into the trial. And there's a whole thing. And they're like, notes are changed, da-da-da-da-da. Well, they go through the rest of the trial, not being able to talk about abuse, not being able to bring in half of their fucking witnesses. Okay. They get to the whole, the end of the trial, and the judge looks at the jury and says, you're not allowed to take into account anything that ha- that they talked about the first four months of this trial because of those notes. Waited until the very fucking end and was like, by the way, the first four months of what we just talked about, you're not allowed to consider that. You're not allowed to consider the abuse. You're not allowed to consider 
um, their mental state when it happened. You just need to say whether or not they're guilty for murdering these people. How do you even make a decision on that? I don't know. Dude, I'm on fucking, sorry, random. I'm on call for jury duty from July until December. Dude, jury duty is crazy. We'll get into that in a second. But basically, he told them, you're not allowed to take any of that into consideration at all. I don't want to hear it. And so the judge basically tells them, are they guilty of murdering their parents? Well, yeah. Obviously, yeah, they, killed, they cu- killed their fucking parents. So they got charged the second time around um, for murdering their parents. The exact charge say, first degree or is degree? first degree murder with no chance of parole. Life with no chance of parole. At least they didn't get them a second degree with premeditation. They were shooting to get them with premeditation and they were going to try and get them on the death. They were trying to get them death penalties. Yep. But they weren't able to convince the jury of that. So they did get life imprisonment. You know the fucked up part? The judge said, you two, you don't get to be in prison together. Because you conspired to kill your parents. And you'll conspire to kill people in prison. They had to go to two different fucking prisons and be separated after all of that time being together. Oh my god. Um, What the fuck? California just needs to fall off. I'm sorry if you listen and you live in California, but God, just go be an island already, please. So that is how they ended up in prison. Um, I do want to say that in 2018, Lyle put in a petition to be moved to the same prison as Eric, and they were able to be put into the same prison. Um, so they are together, and I think that that's awesome that they get to be together. Yep. They have both said that they were wrong for killing their parents. They both came out in 2017. Lyle said, you know what, I I handled it the wrong way, and I wish I would have handled it a different way. And they both ended up getting married. Lyle had two wives. Why does that always happen in jail? Huh. So Lyle (laughs) Lyle had two wives. His first wife was Anna Erickson. Um, That lasted a year. Uh, (laughs) It only lasted a year. But he has been with Rebecca Sneed since 2003. And they are still, reportedly in 2017, they were still together and happy and making it work. Okay, then. Um, Lyle doesn't have very much to do with the public. He does not talk to the media, and I don't blame him because the media really made them out to be fucking monsters and yeah. liars. Yeah. Um, Eric went on to get married to a girl named Tammy, and she did change her name to <laughs> Tammy Menendez. Um, and then the wives stay pretty, you know, low key. They don't talk too much to the media. I don't blame them. Um, but yeah, they they were able, you know, to uh, out of their situation. They got handed nothing but the shit end of the stick. For real. Absolutely nothing but the shit end of the stick. And in, in my opinion, yes, they should have gone to prison for killing their parents because that wasn't the right way to fucking do it. But do I think they deserved life in fucking prison without parole? Absolutely no. not. T- D- Charles Manson even had the chance of parole. And they never even conv- they never even proved that he killed anybody. Literally. People just went missing by happenstance. We're going to have to get into that on another one. But, like... Bro, I could... 
it is wrong in my eyes that deep in Charles Manson. Yeah, it is wrong in my eyes that they are still in prison. I think it's sad. I think if it would have, if they would have been women, it wouldn't have ended up that way. And if it would have happened, no, because abuse would have been on the table at that point. Yeah, abuse would have been acknowledged. They wouldn't have been saying that the abuse excuse was too much, and they weren't allowed to bring that into court. Yeah, and the fact that 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 motherfucker even said that, dude. Well, and at that point, at that point. Like, if if they were women, it would have been different because it wouldn't have been, like, that would have been their only ground to stand on, yeah. is abuse. It would have been, and, but they, the, dude, they but were, because these they men were, were told, these men were told multiple times throughout the trial that you can't get raped and you can't be abused because you're a boy. I know. So- that is so, That's wrong, so wrong, and I can't, dude, I can't even imagine people thinking like that. It's Dude, it's just crazy to me. But I just felt like maybe their story could use a little bit of a... Oh, you guys should go watch their documentaries where they go really in-depth on it. Um, Like, I did not think this was going to go over an hour. And obviously, I did on accident. And that's fine. Now we got some time to shit talk. But, um, (laughs) yeah, no. I just... I can't believe that they were handed such a shitty fucking hand of cards man and told that 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 didn't happen yeah and there's a lot of people still to this day who don't believe them and then there are people who were on the prosecuting team who say you know back then i would have wished that they got the death penalty but now i kind of wish that they would have only gotten a couple years in prison because i understand Good for you, you for watch growing. the documentary? Yeah, like, good for you for growing, but you still wish death on a fucking 18 and 20-year-old that were fucking abused their whole lives. You still didn't believe them. that, And that's, you know what, that's one thing I wanted to bring up on this episode. If you fucking feel like something's going on, or you feel like someone you know is in a shitty situation, say something. <laughs> oh my god. Just say something. Okay, literally, like, dude, it's like my coworker. Like, <sighs> oh, yeah. If you're underage and you're dating someone who is like nine years older than you, that's a problem. And you're going to tell me that a 26 year old male isn't getting his dick wet anywhere else? Most definitely, dude. If, is she still in school? No. She's, She's not graduated. In Was she graduated this last year? Yeah. Uh, Dude, I don't even really know. The whole situation, the whole situation's weird. Adoptive, whatever, his mom is her aunt. I don't fucking know. It's trapped too close. He's known her too long. He knew her as a child, and he's a 26-year-old male telling her that when she turns 18, they will get married. Shit like that's not right. And just, like, it... If you're in a situation where you're being abused like that, there are places you can call and there are things that you can do. So, and also if you've ever been through stuff like that, there are, (laughs) there are places you can call and people you can talk to. I am not one to like talk much because I've never seen a therapist for the shit I've been through. But I'm telling you guys that you should see a therapist for anything that you've been through. (laughs) I've also heard it helps if you have the money for it. 
Dude, it's expensive. I don't have the money for it. Me neither. I barely have the money to survive right now. And can we talk about that for a second? Surviving in this world? It's Literally. Awful. We are living in the terrible times. That's all right. We'll get through it. But. We'll make it through. That was my episode. You did a very good job. It was very much um, sad. Yeah. And just absolutely horrendous that our court system could fail people like that. Just like in the last episode, man. Man, why is our court system going to be shit? Shit. Absolute shit. Well, I hope all of you guys are doing well. Yep. And I'm sorry that I've traumatized you with this absolute fucking heart-wrenching episode. But we hope to continue to traumatize you. I also hope to continue <laughs> to traumatize you. Next week, we are having on a guest. Woo! I don't know if we're having on Alexis or Jada. One of the two. I thought it was Alexis next week. That's fine. And then Jada's after that. That's fine by me. Right, we're bye. having on a guest next episode. For the next two episodes, we're going to be doing some girl talk. I'm we're going to so be shit talking. And it's going to be fun. The second one, we're talking about a show with Jada. Are we? Yeah. Remember, we have to come over and watch that Netflix show with you. Okay. But that's what we're doing. So stay tuned, motherfuckers. (laughs) You can find us on any of our socials. um, Instagram and Twitter, which is Random Contacts. We have our Facebook page, which is Top Notch Swishers. That is a she, her, they, them group. Just make sure you answer the questions. (laughs) And um, you can email us with any suggestions or crazy-ass stories that you want us to read at randomcontact9 at gmail.com. So, yeah. And go check out fucking Tessa's... <laughs> go check out Tessa's band, End of band, the Aisle. End of the Aisle, that's it. On Spotify. And you yes. know what? They might be on other platforms as well, but I listen to it on Spotify. So that's what I'm telling you to listen to it on. And I know you all listen to us on Spotify, so it's not that hard to find it. It's not that hard at all. Also, go join our fucking Facebook group, the she, hers, and they, thems of this world. And that's not political, by the way. I just want to point out (laughs) that using people's pronouns is not political. That's just being a good human being. We're just trying to be decent. I hope you guys have a good night. Go join my fucking Facebook group. Later. Night. (laughs)